Welcome to OncoPharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of OncoPharm, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Today's the last day of November 2023, which means we're right into holiday season. Um, and i uh, got some notable updates, um, some minor notable updates, we'll say, to talk about. First thing I want to talk about, uh, earlier this week, the FDA approved Nerogasistat for desmoid tumor. <clears throat> now, one of my favorite holiday movies is A Christmas Story. It's set in Indiana. It's written by a native Indianaan or Boilermaker Hoosier, you might say. <clears throat> and there's a scene where the kid goes to see Santa. Santa says, what do you want? How about a football? And he goes, football? What's a football in his head? Well, when I read that this drug is approved for desmoid tumors, it's like, desmoid tumor? What's a desmoid tumor? Something I have heard of only because I'm familiar with Imatinib's like 100 off-label indications, one of them being desmoid tumor. So de desmoid tumors are a, um, a connective tissue tumor, not exactly called a sarcoma, although you'll find it in the, in the soft tissue sarcoma guidelines because it is a, a, um, a growth of connective tissue, but it's, it's slow-growing, and it does not have the ability to, to metastasize and to invade distant tissue. So it's uh, apparently not classified as a cancer. You'll also see this described uh, in the term aggressive fibromatosis used uh, just the same as desmoid tumor. Um, so, you know, desmoid tumors traditionally are managed with just surgery, come out, come out, come out. Um, and they're often classified as abdominal or extra abdominal. They can be internal, uh, and those are a little bit harder to deal with. Often they're just monitored and resected. There are some drug therapy, uh, and usually the, the decision point is, is this uh, tumor morbid? Is it disfiguring? Is it ugly? Is it complicated in some way? And there are some drug therapy you can do. Um, category one uh, recommendation is serafinib, but other options include imatinib, pazopidin, methotrexate with either benorbine or vinblastine, uh, liposomal doxorubicin, and serafinib is category one based on uh, a comparison versus placebo published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2018 showing um, more than a doubling in two-year progression-free survival, 81% versus 36%. Um, not a disease that, that I've, I've seen or managed, so, so one that I don't think is going to, uh, you know, that's why I say it's a minor update, the approval for uh, nirogastostat for desmoid tumor, but nirogastostat is a new drug. There's some interesting stuff to talk about with it, uh, so we're going to start, start right there. It is a uh, a gamma secretase inhibitor, which is something that um, that it, I had never heard of. It's actually the first in its in its class. <clears throat> so gamma secretase inhibitors, um, and I'll, I'll post a link to a nice review article in the Oncologist for those of you interested in reading more about this uh, this target and pathway. Uh, gamma secretase inhibitors, or gamma secretase, is important in the notch signaling pathway, which is ubiquitous and all over the body. Okay. And, and gamma secretase inhibitors were studied initially uh, because gamma secretase was uh, related to um, beta amyloid production and it was thought that uh, gamma secretase inhibitors or GSIs uh, could, um, could actually slow or treat Alzheimer's disease and those didn't pan out from efficacy and toxicity standpoints. Now uh, gamma secretase inhibition is influenced by a lot of factors um, and it's it, it's a it's almost kind of like the complement cascade is all these proteins come together to form this this quaternary protein complex and the activity that is influenced by the the environment the tissue so it's probably a little bit tissue specific the effect 
a little bit like how tamoxifen can be estrogenic or anti-estrogenic, depending on the environment and the, the type of cell that it's in. Um, but by blocking gamma secretase uh, activity, uh, you will actually block then the notch signaling cascade. Uh, and this is important for a couple reasons. Notch activity um, is increased often in many uh, advanced cancers. Uh, increase in notch signaling is um, possibly a resistance mechanism to many treatments. Um, and, and so the role of gamma secretase inhibitors might actually be in combination with other drugs or in sequence because it might then target a mechanism of resistance to the primary drug. Um, some interesting stuff though about the, these, uh, this class. Um, <coughs> there are there are like notch one, two, three, four, etc., and lots of different, uh, lots of complexity in the pathway that I won't get into. But a, a couple notable things from my reading. One is that CD8 effector cells. So really, the ultimate target of nivolumab and pembrolizumab is CD8 positive T cell activity, exerting their effector effects on cancer cells. Um, they need notch signaling uh, to do what to to create like uh, interferon gamma and the granzymes. So these drugs might actually interfere with the activity of the immune system, which we know is so important in treating cancer. So, so cancers that are probably immune cold would be ones that you might see these used. And these have been studied in, in lung cancer and, uh, and drug-resistant glioblastoma multiforma and many disease states because uh, the notch pathway is, is implicated in many, in many uh, tumors. Also, low concentrations of gamma secretase inhibitors have actually been found to promote tumorigenesis. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff here, and that um, you know the the ability for cells to move on this what they call epithelial to mesenchymal transition that allows them to invade surrounding tissues and spread uh, is, is preceded by activation of the notch pathway. Okay, so that's it's a it's a kind of a fascinating drug approval because the first in class. Uh, for a drug uh, class that, that has a lot of potential implications in many other cancers. But um, as with tyrosine kinase inhibitors, gamma secretase inhibitors are probably going to come in a lot of different flavors and a lot of different effects because of the complexity of the pathway. Um, you know, there's something like um, gamma secretase activity um, goes beyond notch into like uh, this article says 90 substrates, including half of human receptor tyrosine kinase. So it seems like it could affect possibly any pathway. Uh, depending on, on on how specific the gamma secretase inhibitor is to which uh, isoforms of gamma secretase and then the downstream effects on notch signaling, which is really how we think it works. Okay, back to Nerogastat, brand name Oxivio. Um, FDA approved for desmoid tumors um, that, uh, um, uh, anyway, yeah, that's the approval. Uh, and it was approved based on a study of 140 patients, roughly about 70 in each arm versus placebo. Median progression-free survival was not reached with uh, neurogastostat versus 15 months with placebo. Hazard ratio of 0 0.092, 95% confidence interval, 0.15 to 0.55. A lot of activity. Again, category, uh, category one recommendation currently for these patients would be serafinib, based on a similar design study and, and efficacy. So probably we'll slide in there as a, as a uh, just as a uh, an attractive option from an efficacy standpoint, but a very different toxicity profile. Um, our warnings, precautions here, 84% of people had diarrhea with this drug, 16% grade three uh, with the, the median time to having diarrhea being nine days. There are dose reductions. If the diarrhea does not resolve within three days, just by max dose of loperamide or lobotil or anti-diarrheal medication. Ovarian toxicity occurred in 75% 
Um, and that could be changes in menstrual cycles or decrease in estrogen um, uh, levels leading to things like hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness. So a drug that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's advised that women of childbearing potential take um, uh, you know, contraception with this because of the imbrofetal toxicity, which is distinct from this ovarian toxicity, um, which is, you know, is curious. Uh, hepatotoxicity occurred in, in about a third of patients of a grade one or two increased ALT or AST, and, and higher elevations can occur. Non-melanoma skin cancer, we talked about how, you know, low concentration of these drugs could promote tumor genesis. This appears to maybe be what's happening where there were 2.9% of people receiving this drug had cutaneous squamous uh, cell carcinoma, this, or cutaneous uh, skin cancer, um, and 1.9% or 1.4% had basal cell carcinoma. So they do have to have a derma evaluation at baseline and periodically. And then, interestingly, electrolyte abnormalities occurred in many patients. Hypophosphatemia in 65%, hypokalemia in 22%. You're seeing a wide constellation of toxicities that FDA puts in the warnings uh, and precaution statement that don't necessarily fit, right? And it's gonna take us a while to figure out in a new class of drugs, which of these are expected as on-target toxicities and which, uh, you know, which isoform, uh, or, or how can we predict these going forward with this? And again, it's been studied in a small number of patients, fewer than, than, than a couple hundred, so we don't yet know what the one in 1,000 toxicities, we don't know about long-term toxicity, which they explicitly talk about, there's a statement about the ovarian function that we don't know the long-term effects of this drug on fertility. We'll keep the door open that there might be long-term infertility issues for young patients taking this. Um, other side effects. Many of these people had stomatitis, 39% versus just 4% with placebo. Rash in 68% versus 14% with placebo. Alopecia, 19%, 1 in 5 versus 1.4% with placebo. Headache doubled 15 to 30% from placebo to drug. Cough. Dyspnea and upper respiratory tract infections happened in 17, 16, 20%. Perhaps that's a sign of maybe some sort of dampening of the immune system, which we talked about in the ceiling pathway, maybe possible. And this drug is a substrate of 3A4, uh, so you have all those 3A4 inhibitors and inducer uh, reactions. It is also an inhibitor of 3A4. So there are lots of drug interactions. PPIs decrease the absorption of this drug, so uh, it probably will not work if you're taking a PPI. Um, for me, the most interesting part of this new drug approval, besides learning about desmoid tumors and gamma secretase inhibitors and more about the notch pathway, <coughs> pardon me, is there is a new, there's, um, in the label, in the package insert, there's a table for the pharmacokinetic section. Uh, so instead of like the half-life of this drug, and this, uh, the C-max of this drug, and time to max concentration, instead of it being written sense format, it's just a table which is much easier to read and find. And there's some some interesting information here. So we get the absolute bioavailability of this drug, 19% drug exposure. And again, I've alluded to this, that seems to be drugs that have low bioavailability that are oral, meaning most of the drug in the tablet or the capsule stays in the lumen of the GI tract. Those drugs seem to have a lot of diarrhea, and we have a warning precaution statement for diarrhea for this drug. Um, we see here the, the amount of protein binding for albumin and total protein and, and another protein that I hadn't heard of, more information there. We have the primary metabolism, metabolism route via dealkylation via CYP3A4, secondary metabolism via CYP3A4, uh, again, and 2D6 and 2C9, 2C19, other things. And then we have the excretion, and this was what really kind of was interesting to me. 38% of this drug is excreted from the body, eliminated uh, in the feces. 17% in the urine, almost all of that as me metabolite. 
And then 9.7%, not 10%, not 9%, but 9.7% of this drug, Nero guessed that, 9.7% is eliminated from the body in expired air. I've never seen that before for a drug, that 10% of it is just breathed off. <coughs> um, and I don't, I don't know if that's like a, unique to this drug. Is that uh, something that is uh, like now we're testing for that in drug development? It's, it's fascinating to me, this sort of thing. Uh, and there seems to be maybe a, we'll see if the, the next couple drug approvals, uh, you know, over, over 2024 have the same table approach to see if this is a, a change or unique to this drug. I kind of guess it's maybe a change. All right, a couple other, um, uh, a, a safety and an efficacy update. Um, so the FDA sent out a, a dear doctor letter, basically, uh, on the 28th, where they are uh, investigating the risk of T-cell malignancies for uh, breast or not breast cancer, B-cell maturation antigen and CD19-directed uh, CAR-T drugs. So this is uh, idacaptogene, viglucel, lysocaptogene, maralucel, siltacaptogene, autolucel, tisangelic lucel, brexincaptogene, autolucel, and axicaptogene, silalucel. So those six products, I'm guessing, are going to have a new expansion to their label because there is already a warning precaution statement about the risk of secondary cancers. This is specific to T cell malignancies. T cell malignancies are not common. You see a lot more R chop than you see chop, for example. Okay, or R polar chip than chop. Um, so you're, you know, if there is a modest increased risk of T cell malignancies, you're probably going to see it because it's not a very uh, rare thing. Um, uh, they are. The, I'm going to read some quotes here from the. Uh, what the FDA said. So FDA is investigating the identified risk of T-cell malignancy with serious outcomes, including hospitalization, death, and is evaluating the need for regulatory action so there might be a change in the REMS program or even something else if they identify, for example, certain risk factors that might increase the risk of T-cell malignancies. Um, I did not know this, but the initial approval of these products, including a post-marketing requirement under Section 505 of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, took like 15 year long follow-up for observational safety. So this, this evaluation is ongoing and will continue to, to, to go forward. In the past, it seems like when they've sent, hey, we're looking at something, they're, you know, this, this comment about considering regulatory changes, any changes to the label or restrictions, those seem to happen pretty soon after this within a couple months. It's a little bit like when, um, when the, the crown like in the United Kingdom said, like, this royal is sick and in the hospital. Usually we found out what happened to them like a day later. I think like with, with, uh, with Queen Elizabeth, it's like she's in the hospital. And then word of her passing came out like a day later. So FDA is like, hey, we're looking at this. We tend to find out what the, the outcome is going to be of that investigation pretty quickly by the time they get around to it. Holidays coming up. My guess is maybe first of the year. Just a stupid prediction for me. Uh, and then really surprising efficacy question mark uh, news release from the company that made um, Belantamab Mofidotin. Speaking of, of BSMA targeting drugs, this is a BCMA targeting uh, antibody drug conjugant. Um, the brand name Blenrep, many people called it Blindrep because it caused a lot of ocular toxicity. Um, it was approved, then its confirmatory phase three study did not show benefit, and it was withdrawn from the market. So now we have DREAM7, which is in relapsed refractory multi-myeloma. It is 
Blenitumab, Mofidone, plus Bortezomib and Dex versus Daritumab and Dex in Relapsed Refractory Myeloma. And the uh, independent uh, monitoring committee said, hey, let's stop this early because we are seeing benefit of Belantamab, Mofidotin, uh, compared to Daratumab, with both treatment groups getting Bortezomib and Dexmedazone as well. This was a progression-free survival benefit. Um, there's a trend towards an overall survival benefit, they say in the press release, which we'll see um, it, uh, what that is. So a couple questions about this that I, I, you have to look for when this comes out, right? You can't, this, you'd have to put somebody on study to do this. The drug's not on the market right now. Um, so patients were, ex were not eligible for the study if they were DARA refractory. But how many people got daratumumab in the first-line setting or maintenance, uh, and then it was stopped due to toxicity, whatever, okay? Um, and, and I think the, the refractory period was something like treatment within 60 days of this, okay? So that's one thing, is how many got prior daratumumab? And then, they, of course, for overall survival, we've got to look at, all right, so what did they get, you know, if these were mostly second-line setting patients, what did they get in, in the third line? So we're um, waiting to see uh, what the, the uh, you know, where we're going to see these results. I don't think it's going to be an ash if this came out. Maybe it will be. Um, but people were really surprised because this was a drug that had moderate efficacy, but a lot of toxicity to, to see the benefit. It looks like the dosing is the same as what it was when it was approved before prior to removal. Um, so that is, uh, you know, a lot of the myeloma folks were a little surprised by this. Uh, and, and I think they're, uh, as we should be, appropriately skeptical to, to you know, to any obviously modify our practice based on a press release without seeing all of the data uh, in, in publication. Um, so that is what I have uh, for this week. Uh, I'll be back uh, with with episodes to finish out uh, 2023 strong. Uh, that's the plan, anyway. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to those of you um, you know who listen on Spotify and have shared your your wrapped Spotify wrapped uh, that you know you're a big Uncle Farm listener. It's really appreciated to see that that you all enjoy the podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on the app for me known as Twitter at FarmDeetNip, and you can follow me on all other social media platforms for the most part. I like for a 40-year-old guy that he would be on. So so X, Threads, uh, Instagram, at AncorFarmPod. You follow the podcast there as well. Thank you for listening, and until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Mm -hmm.